Welcome to the Optimal You podcast. This is pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 10 of the Ersfeld Pharmacy Optimal You podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. The goal of the Optimal You podcast is to have a visit with a provider and others in the healthcare industry in our area, and in this instance, well beyond. Um, we're going down to Houston, Texas today. Um, that provides services that might be helpful to you in the journey to becoming the optimal you. Today's guest is a fellow pharmacist, Sebastian Dennison. Uh, but before we dive into the podcast and visit with Sebastian, uh, I need to let the listeners know that this podcast provides general information and a discussion about health and health-related subjects. The information provided in this podcast is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. We got that out of the way. So here's a little bit of a, a background on Sebastian. Um, Sebastian Dennison is a graduate of UBC, and that's the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, BC. Um, so he's, uh, we, we consider the Canadians close neighbors to us being that we border them. So he's a member of the clinical support team at PCCA, which is a professional compounding centers of America in Houston, Texas, and has devoted a great deal of his time studying the intricacies of low-dose naltrexone, uh, who many of our listeners may be currently taking and may have questions about uh, that medication. So thank you, Sebastian, for joining the podcast today. I, I know that was a little bit of a brief bio because you're under the radar. Didn't find a lot on you that. So I'm wondering if you can give us a little <laughs> Wonder if you can give us a little bit more background on uh, who you are and where where you at in your profession right now. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I, I'm actually pretty jazzed up about today. Um, I, I love the optimal health aspect of what your what your practice is bringing to your patients. Um, I, I I'll, I'll start off with, you know, I am very low on the radar of social media. Um, I, I've just never been a, a one to subscribe to it, but, 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 but um, I, I did want to kind of delve back into some perspective on where I'm coming from and, and how we align as healthcare providers. Um, the West Coast of Canada, we're, we're kind of on that sort of same idea of uh, best health and optimal health. And I grew up sort of in the mountains and hiking and uh, lots of activity. And when I went into university, I was looking at a healthcare profession, which I could balance um, sort of a healthcare professional life with a personal balanced life. And it brought me to pharmacy. And I was very, very fortunate that right at the end of the 90s, I ended up working in a small compounding pharmacy. And we were doing some really cool things uh, with very specific healthcare uh, models. We were doing things that we were treating MS patients with uh, compounded medications and fibromyalgia patients and all these pain patients. And our practice was just getting started. Uh, they had started compounding it, I think, in 1994, 95. And by the time I joined, we were, we were probably doing, I don't know, you know, 15 to 18 compounds a day. And for most people that are kind of thinking like, oh, that'd be great to be involved in. But what we saw was this evolution of uh, a provider need and patient need that wasn't being fulfilled. 
And as our practice grew, we kind of grew very quickly. And we were at about 100 uh, compounds a day where we were at distinct compounds that we were providing all of these specific patient needs. And this is while I was going through pharmacy school that I was able to learn at, the, at, 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 the, at this rate of need and newness, novel ideas, and putting them into direct practice in patient care. And at the time we were doing a lot of hormones and, and uh, BHRT and, and that world is really focused on best health uh, and longevity. And that really kind of shaped all of my education and my focus going forward. So we were doing low-dose naltrexone back in 1999. I remember thinking like, why are we using a drug that we use for opioid uh, patients uh, to kind of stop them from getting too, too far down? And what we were using it for, and it was really exciting then. And it, it's always been kind of back there. Um, as I came through pharmacy, and then once I joined PCCA, which is Professional Compounding Centers of America, I uh, got further and further into this optimal health and best health and uh, functional medicine. And naltrexone came back in right in about 2014, when we really saw this sort of change in our understanding of how we can actually use it. And from there, along with the functional medicine fellowship that I've been able to complete um, and a lot of research, we've, we've really tilted the, tilted the direction of what we can do with naltrexone. So that's kind of where we are. And that's a little bit of my background because I've been playing with it since 99 and I've seen this evolution and understanding change. And now in the last seven years, we've seen this uh, sort of mushroom cloud of growth and ex- uh, just expansion of use. So that's that's where I am today. So glad yeah. to be here. Well, I can remember being at uh, Concierge uh, Congress, I think, in Chicago, and um, that was a big part of our focus. And I can remember coming back and being so excited about um, the many properties of, of low-dose naltrexone. And at the very same same time, I'm I'm reaching out to one of our primary pain specialists up in Williston, um, about 175 miles from here, and she she had just gotten back from a conference of her own and was like, I want to know about naltrexone. <laughs> I'm like, I I got information about naltrexone, and we were just like jabbering back and forth, and it's like. And that's kind of where it kind of mushroomed for us. I too was like you though, um, back in the in the mid, say 2004, 2005, we were compounding it for the same thing, MS. And we were, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. And there wasn't a lot of information out there. So um, yeah, it's thank you for bringing uh, your expertise to, to pharmacies and, and to our podcast this morning. We appreciate that. So so, so you know, when we look at naltrexone um, itself, what, what kind of intrigues you or fascinates you about it just in general? So, I, I mean, we have, our listeners are going to be pretty astute, but, you know, we can get really deep into the weeds on, on mechanisms, but on, on a on more of a layman's um, level, what, what do you like best about it? <laughs> wow. Um how it how it fits so well so many patients um and and i i i have to rewind the the sort of 
understanding of that before I get kind of just that's that's the answer. Oh, it's just because it fits for everyone. What we just what we have figured out, and honestly, going back 1993, 94, when Dr. Bahari he was first doing. Uh, work with naltrexone, his understanding was we can see this positive effect and we can see this endorphin um, production change where we can see these increasing endorphins in patients who are very sick and how it benefits them with their with their overall immune deficiency issues. And that was the start. But our understanding of the mechanisms was insufficient at the time. Um, but it didn't stop us from utilizing this molecule in such a positive way. And there's a lot of drugs in the world that we say the, the exact mechanism is unclear at this time, but this is the outcome. And that's what we were sort of working on. But in about 2007, 2008, there was a lot more research. Uh, Dr. Zagon, um, he did some really great work with the OGF receptor access. Uh, we started seeing some more information coming about specific receptors in our immune system um, that we, we had a better understanding. And then by 2017, 2018, we saw even more receptors in that immune system family blow up. And then since then, we've also seen more um, insight into the entire family of the opioid receptors. So we've got, and, and this is where to, to kind of say like where kind of what I'm so excited about and why I'm so impressed with this molecule is as we understand the mechanisms better, we can see the patterns of overlap of disease and um, sort of impact where naltrexone based upon its dose can actually benefit these patients. And again, as I said, this expanding mushroom cloud of use really and truly we're seeing this impact from patients who are pediatric uh, to geriatric and just this massive swath of positive uh, um, potential for these patients because of these multiple mechanisms. And so now I'm going to be really dorky. Uh, my first degree was a minor in chemistry with a major in immunology. Then I went into pharmacy. So I am super dorky when it comes to the immune system and these structure activity relationships. I, I, again, like when I say super dorky, I really enjoy organic chemistry. And so it's this marriage of pharmacy, immunology and chemistry for me uh, when it comes to this molecule. And it's, it's one of these molecules and it's multiple mechanisms. And it just makes my eyes light up and it makes my brain light up and it makes me look at patients and say, we, we may have something that can add and help you that, that much better in your health journey to optimum health. Yeah, that, that's that's great because it is definitely a tool that is uh, right there to to help. All, like I said, almost all patients. So, um, so we we know that um, uh, naltrexone is an opioid receptor blocker, and I always you know when I explain this, I always lean on Narcan or Naloxone as, as, you know, the cousin to this. So it's doing the same thing as that, but can you kind of share some of the mechanisms of when we block that receptor and some of the other receptors, what, what's going on with that? Well, the, the very first thing is that we have to understand, and, and I talk about this a lot because a lot of people think like, Oh, okay. Opioid receptor system. It's there for pain control. It, it's, it, that's one of its functions. 
In fact, there's now seven identified receptors in the opioid uh, receptor family, and they actually have pretty significant uh, behavior control modification, but it's also responsible for mood, stability, uh, homeostasis, temperature regulation. And we can see this when we use uh, opioids and opioid-like drugs, and we can see changes in, I don't know, for example, gut function, lots of constipation when given opioids. That's actually part of your digestive system, and it's related back to that opioid receptor family. Uh, we can see temper, temperature mm. regulation, cough control. Um, and so saying that it uh, only does this is such a, such a dramatic understatement when it comes to the opioid receptor system. And we have seven distinct receptors that have, again, this overlapping function, but are still discrete. Now, when we have our endogenous, uh, and they're called endorphins or encaphalins, when they're produced in our body, they have regulatory response in those same receptors. Um, and, and, and so when we use naltrexone at varying doses, everything from uh, one microgram up to 150 milligrams, which is about uh, 150,000 times the dose, we can see varying effects just in the opioid receptors. That, that's just in the opioid receptors. And so our dose response can be, can be um, very subtle. And I, and I wanna use the word nuanced based upon its timing. And so even the makers of uh, products like OxyContin uh, and Oxymorphone, they were actually looking at adding, and it's called ultra low dose naltrexone to their products to improve the performance of their narcotic medication because it literally would sensitize that receptor to pain control medicine. So stopping escalating doses and uh, improving performance. And then we get into this uh, low, very low dose, uh, low dose and then normal dose. And we can see changes in GI function. We can see changes in uh, mood. This is all and behavior patterns. And then we can use it for things like depression and PTSD and anxiety all the way up to alcohol use avoidance. And this is just in the opioid receptors. And we're That's learning incredible. more. So seven, seven different receptors that we're affecting just on the opioids. Just on the opioid receptor family. And that, that's just one group. Then we have the opioid growth factor receptor access, which again, Dr. Zagon has done incredible work in his team. They looked at the, uh, the, the regulation of growth of other tissue and how you can actually uh, cause hyperproliferation as well as this sort of um, blocking effect. So you can actually stop hyperproliferation, you can induce growth, or you can uh, put the brakes on the in inhibition and cause this sort of unhinged overgrowth. And that's just in that receptor. And so when we use naltrexone, we can appropriately time the dose and use appropriate dosing. And in fact, we can use it in things like wound care and induce a a positive growth that is normalized. So we prevent a hyperproliferation of scar tissue. But then we're starting to look at the application. And this is not, again, this is not meant to be like, hey, go and get this right away, working with your provider, looking at whether or not it's right for patients who are uh, stricken with cancer. We're using it, we're starting to see some research that's being pulled out, animal models and some uh, small human case studies where they're saying, 
we're stopping metastatic effects. And again, I'm not making a claim. This is what's in the research um, right. based upon that, uh, that OGF receptor access. So now we're at eight. All right, that's just that family. And, and Steve, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna keep going because like the, the true excitement for me is in this immune modulatory response and they're called toll-like receptors. Um, back when I was in school, we were just starting to figure them out. We've done a ton of research. There's 10 in humans right now. There's out to 12 in mice because just the speed to which they, they turn over. But there's four distinct toll-like receptors, toll-like four, seven, eight, and nine, and they're now saying there might be an effect in some others that have overlap, overlapping immune-mediating response. Um, and these toll-like receptors kick off your inflammatory response and have directed, uh, directed so you get an adaptive response. Well, naltrexone, based upon appropriate dosing and timing, can also have this sort of balancing effect so you don't get too much inflammation, but you also get a normalized adaptive response. And so helping patients get away from inflammatory disorders, and this is where it blows up in, in my mind because you've got all these chronic diseases and this sort of aging process that's all relying on these inflammatory disorders. And I, I'm to tie it back to things like BHRT, we know as patients go through andropause and menopause, you will see a change in their immune system that sets to a higher inflammatory set point. And so now we're starting to look at naltrexone. Is it an anti-aging molecule too? Like, it's just like, oh man, where do the applications stop at this point? And honestly, I don't see an end to it. Yep. Yeah. I think well, we're learning more and we're finding more. When you, when you just think of um, kind of inflammation being kind of the mother of all disease, um, and if we can stop that or lessen that or do anything to um, inhibit that, wow, what a huge benefit that is. Um, and, oh, oh it, it's not just stop it or inhibit it. Those are like corticosteroids and NSAIDs and these DMAR drugs, which are extremely safe when used in low, low doses. But what I find really unique about naltrexone is it mediates the response. It doesn't turn it off. It, it makes it optimal. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into your, your podcast oh, yeah. and what we're doing with optimal health is we're literally setting the immune system to like, hey, you're 21 and you're now gonna do better. You're gonna have a better adaptive response. You're not gonna be too inflamed. You're gonna, you're gonna have a better healing response. This is what we're seeing, not only in the literature, but in this explosion of patients because the clinical information that's coming back uh, is just incredible. It's just incredible that the efficacy and the, again, immunomodulation as opposed to immunosuppression or uh, sort of uh, turning the taps off. We're just turning it to optimal. So this sounds like the optimal drug for the optimal you. <laughs> um, so I, I actually did a great talk on this just a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about menopause and antipause and this anti-aging sort of perspective, and there was a paper from 2007, it was republished in 2014, and I think it's getting more, uh, new, more traction again, where there's a group of uh, naturopaths and DOs that they said, look, we don't know the exact mechanism, but we see this. Uh, regulatory control of the immune system, which again, back to your comment, uh, being the mediator of all chronic diseases, and there's a ton of literature on that, autoimmune disorders, 
inflammatory disorders, uh, chronic disease states, micro, micro uh, tumor environment, um, and that process. And they're, they're saying like, look, if we use naltrexone, we might be able to stave off some of these sort of uh, early progression. And if we can stop that, then we're going to keep people healthy for longer. And that's the goal is be as healthy as long as you can. Uh, because when things come knocking, you want to be in your best or optimal health for, for as long as possible. And so that paper was saying, look, maybe we should be on nolidose naltrexone as a uh, prophylactic sort of thought. And again, the research and the information, what we're seeing clinically, anecdotally is, yeah, um, best health. That's exciting. That's exciting. I, you know, I, I always preach those, you know, vitality being as vital for as long as you can. And how do you extend that out for, you know, years into your, hopefully into your eighties or nineties. Um, for, for me personally, as a, as a, as an older guy, I'm in my, my upper fifties. Um, my goal in health is just to try and keep inflammation in check. Um, so what are, what do you do, or, or is this part of the protocol that you recommend for, for people with inflammation? What, what, what are your kind of things that you're, you're targeting? Well, I, I'm going to start with, and this goes back to both my pharmacy education, as well as the fellowship, as well as what I've seen clinically, you cannot out train a bad sleep pattern, you can't out-train a bad diet, and you can over-exercise and put yourself in a negative spot. So it's a balancing act of making sure that number one, sleep is optimized. Number two, appropriate dietary intake of nutrients, micronutrients, and a balanced, healthy diet. Um, as much as I love Oreo cookies, you can't make, a, you can't make that a meal sort of idea. Right. And right. then appropriate amount. <laughs> I, we all love Oreos, but you know, um, they, they are a sandwich, aren't have... they? They are a sandwich, really, aren't they? <laughs> still a treat, not a deep, not a meal. Got it. Um, but then, but then the other part is appropriate amounts of exercise to maintain a healthy weight um, based upon what your needs are. If you're getting into lots of exercise, and I know in North Dakota people are like mountain biking, skiing, and cross country skiing, and doing all sorts of crazy things. That was North Van. Um, and same idea, um, not being sedentary, but then finally, the next part is looking at best health does come to keeping that inflammation under control. So if you don't have chronic diseases, you have to optimize your intake. Um, and now I'm, I'm going to get into it. We, we have dose protocols for people who are Having a specific disease, we have dose protocols for people who are trying to stave it off. And so we see a slightly lower dose because the need is different. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to get into the weeds of uh, absorption, genetics, uh, toll-like receptor genetics, uh, optimizing dose in that way. And so again, it, it, yeah, it, it's becoming part of it now that my recommendation, and, and I do talk to a lot of people, I'm taking that truck zone personally, um, especially since I'm, I'm, I'm in that point where the chronic disease markers should start creeping up and I'm doing everything I can because I want to be as vital, like you said, as vital as long as possible. I want to hit 80 and be like, yeah, I feel great. 
Um, exactly. After that, you know, we're kind of all in the same sort of downward pack, but I want to start as high as possible. I, I'm in your same boat. I, I am also um, a naltrexone taker um, and doing, trying to do exactly what, what you're what you're recommending so so that you know we've talked about you and i as patients so mm -hmm. there's there's just a whole plethora of patients that that this drug is can be used for can you kind of throw out some areas that, that uh, would be of interest well I, I again because i want to be very very clear i find naltrexone a really interesting medication in the sense of it really makes these inflammatory processes uh, optimized. So again, if you have a patient who's, or, or, so for a lot of patients who are already established on a medical uh, pro program and they're already getting medications, what we see is uh, stopping of escalating doses or a stabilization or an improvement in those medication performances, everything from the autoimmune disorder patients, and I literally mean all of them, all mm -hmm. autoimmune disorders, the mechanism uh, relies on this toll-like four receptor uh, hyperactivation and then this protracted TLR789 activation. And so if we can mediate those, we're not curing the disease, but what we're doing is taking away a driver process. And so the other medications then aren't having to work so hard to keep up. It's like we, we, we've just kind of turned down the tap on the, the too much water coming through the stream. So all of a sudden it makes it a lot easier to manage that flow. Uh, the next part, we see this in patients who have these sort of uh, chronic disease conditions. And me personally, where I'm, where I'm finding the, one of the biggest steps, uh, pain. Tons and tons of pain patients. It is inflammatory driven at the heart of it. And unfortunately, high dose narcotics can actually exacerbate that. So we're getting a lot of patients who are saying, what are my alternatives? And we're able to start patients on naltrexone before we start them on narcotics. There are other medications. So the things like the NSAIDs, gabapentin, amitriptyline, those sort of accessory pain meds all of a sudden work better. And we may not necessarily have the same progression to uh, narcotic pain medications. Dermatology is blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that's an inflammatory problem at, at, at the root cause, generally very inflamed GI tract, which then um, kind of <laughs> makes things worse on the skin. Um, and we're seeing these patients with psoriasis, eczema, uh, pyridosum, gangrenosum, like just insane diseases, which we've been cavitating on and how trying to get traction and trying to help these patients we're seeing some of the, the drivers turn down. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the rest of our therapies work better. And I think that that's where I'm kind of coming to is that naltrexone is this brilliant adjunct care where appropriate makes, it, it, it's, it's like uh, the Sammy Davis Jr. song. Everything else works, works, tastes better or works better. It's just like, boom, boom, here we are. Yeah. We're, we're, it's been pretty amazing um, the the patients and how they've responded to it and you know some of them uh, working with their practitioners have gotten off some of their their medications especially the pain patients that might be on a gabapentin or or other auxiliary type type medications and that to me is always such a rewarding part of of doing this so 
Um, you you I, had mentioned. I, I'm I gotta I'm gonna jump in on this because this is like yeah. this is mind blowing um, about pain. Okay, and and I don't know if I've talked to you in the last couple of months, but what we're seeing is that now we're seeing these studies of doctors are like, okay, well let's see how naltrexone does in a head-to-head -head comparison. So we're gonna try it in diabetic neuropathy patients against amitriptyline. Same efficacy, better side effect profile. And my comment is like, okay, great. Well, we know amitriptyline works. What if you combine them, will we get better? And that's some of the other pain studies that we're seeing is that patients are reporting, they perform better with naltrexone than without. So you're getting a better pain reduction with naltrexone than without on their current regimen. I think it was like 37% uh, showed improved benefit, and this was within a short trial versus 4%. Oh, wow. Um, thing, things like, uh, and, and now I've got to kind of divert, and I'm like, patients who were on all these rheumatoid arthritis medications, there's a 2019 study where they said, hey, anyone who's getting refills, what did the rest of their medication profile look like? Decreased needs in all other medications. What does that tell you? That's well, right. it's working. <laughs> Right. Same with GI medications, uh, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and inflammatory bowel disease, decrease in all other medications. Now we're starting to see it being used, and this is going to really blow your mind. There was a study that was published and it came out of the Middle East where they talked about refractory epilepsy in pediatric patients, uncontrolled patients. They couldn't get their control. All they did was add naltrexone, and we saw an improvement in their um, in their overall symptoms and decrease in seizures, severity, et cetera. So what it's doing is making everything work better. And that's kind of a global statement, but that's the power of that immunoregulatory aspect and those opioid receptor um, effect. It's once we find the right dose, patients just do better. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's magic. <laughs> so, not to make a claim, but yeah, it's somewhat amazing. That's um, some something that I think is um, that we need to just touch on is the dosing of it because um, the dosing is so unique to each individual and you know that's kind of the the art of of pharmacy and and what we're doing is we're trying to figure out what that dose is. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Oh man, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. okay. That's, so a, that's a big I, door I, I, to open. That's a big door to open. Uh, it's possibly the most important part of this entire discussion. The beauty of compounding, and this is why I love PCCA. This is why I love pharmacy. This is why I love compounding. And, and, and this is the most important statement I can make. Compounding is patient-specific. And what that means is the pharmacy responds to the need of the patient, not the patient gets what they get. And with, the, with such subtlety and with such broad use and so many, um, so many patients that can fit into this, it, it has to come back to what does the patient need specifically versus what can I give them? Uh, back in the day, and, and so I, I promise I'm going to talk about dose. Back in the day, it used to be get a 50 milligram tablet, grind it up and add this and, and we'll just stretch it out to trying to make a dose. PCCA has been a, a brilliant supplier that they were able to get naltrexone as a bulk raw powder. So instead of making lasagna using McDonald's hamburgers, we're using ground beef. So there's none of this other extra stuff that could be a problem. Lactose tends to be a sensitizer for lots of MS and fibromyalgia patients. Not just me, 
We see this across the board. But what we're finding now, especially since 2014, is this old idea that everyone gets 1.53, 4.5 as doses, milligrams, um, doesn't hold. In fact, now in the last two years, we're seeing more and more information come out about genetic variation in these same receptors that I've been talking about that make patients either more susceptible to specific uh, autoimmune disorders or more susceptible to specific disease states. Um, and what we're starting to see is more more importantly is finding the right dose for that patient specifically. And so instead of saying, hey, we're gonna start at 1.5, then you go to three, then you go to 4.5 and let's see how you do. It's we do these smaller step dose titrations and where we see a negative impact and exacerbation of their disease. Yeah, it was working, I feel worse. Um, I'm getting side effects that make me feel uncomfortable. Um, that could be an indication that the dose is too high. We back down and then we track the patients. And again, I'm going to go back to you, Steve, and the importance of having such a good relationship between the provider, the patient, and the pharmacist is we work in a collaborative approach, not just the provider and the pharmacist, but the patient and the pharmacist working together to find the right path forward for that specific patient. And you can't do that at a big box store. You walk in, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. When you walk into Earthfield, you get what you need specific to you. Not what I think, what you tell me. And, 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 and that's, how, that's how compounding is so crucial and, and so instrumental into seeing the low-dose naltrexone really come alive. Because back in the day, there was one way. It was a Mandalorian. It was 1.5, 4.5. Everyone goes. And the literature showed failure of about 30%. Now we're doing these slower dose titrations. We're seeing improved benefit. And we're seeing this range of dosing being from honestly half a milligram out to about nine milligrams, which is a much wider swath, which means we're covering patients better. And I don't know what you need because we don't have the tools yet, but I know it's going to come we'll be able to do genetic testing and, and be like, okay, this is going to be a closer approximation, but we're still going to dial you in. When you work with a compounding pharmacy, you get exactly what you need. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. You, you mentioned two things in that, that statement there. First was collaborative practice. Um, and we do in our state, we're lucky to have what, what are called collaborative practice agreements where we make an agreement with our either nurse practitioner or MD, where they per pretty much turn over the dosing of naltrexone to us for, on, in most instances, a six-month time period, where we pretty much have free reign of dosing, um, and we get to work with the patient, and then we just keep the, the provider in the loop on that. So that's been a huge benefit for practitioners that don't want to have to mess around with that and, and just want us to to do our thing there. So that's been a blessing. Um, the second thing you're, you're just talking about, you know, dosing 0.5 to 9 milligram. We, so there's three things I tell the patient when they start it. First thing is we're titrating. So if nothing happens, don't, don't be upset. And then the second thing would be, you know, if we hit a home run on the first dose, we're, we're pretty excited. It doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while we do get that. And then the third thing would be is if they end up with some side effects and 
you know, most of the side effects, you know, dreaming, sleep related, some headaches, some GI things, maybe some flu-like symptoms, but those are what we've historically seen. If you're, if you're getting those, those are just telling us that we've kind of overshot that dose. And um, for some of our patients, we've really gotten into like, um, like 0.1 uh, milligram per mil and have them, you know, do a drop at a time. And I had one specific patient that had um, some post-COVID brain fog, and then she had um, complex regional pain syndrome, um, pain issues. Um, she was mm-hmm. taking a drop and just brushing, a, not even a full drop on the back of her hand, because a full drop was too much for her. She'd just brush a little bit on the back of her hand and lick it off. And yep. that was her dose. And it worked. It cleared her, up, <laughs> cleared her head and her pain was like, she's like, I can't even believe this because it's got to be, we're down to microgram doses at that point. So, yeah. Well, like, like, like I said, it, it, that the the brain effects there the the seven different opioid receptors that are there u kappa delta lambda epsilon zeta and iota <laughs> i love iota i don't know why um those are all up in this in the upper cns as well as in the entire peripheral nervous system uh there's also immune mediated cells and as well as through the gi tract when you take your toll like four receptors they're so rich in the microglia up in the brain but again you're seeing this incredible wide range of dosing. Yeah. You know, I've heard of patients who are one microgram, three micrograms, 10 micrograms, uh, 50 micrograms, 100 micrograms. And it's just, that's what works. Okay. Yeah. You're telling me you feel better. <laughs> okay. Right. Is that good for you? Yes. Uh, it's a placebo effect. Okay. But nothing else we've tried has ever worked in this patient. And now, if they're looking in the back of their hand and they are happy with the results and we figured this out, that's a collaborative approach. We're, we're not saying it's going to work for everyone, but we figured it out specific to that patient. Yeah. When that, we, that's what I get excited about. I'm so like, yes. <laughs> when, when we talk about microgram doses, because you mentioned that ultra low dose naltrexone, um, we mm-hmm. have been working with some providers and patients on doing um, uh dual titration upward from microgram doses of the naltrexone well taking away uh their opioid and and have gotten four patients off of uh long-term opioid use doing that so that's an that's an area that we're we're working on we're trying to develop some uh protocols to uh take that out to uh patients with opioid use disorders that are just you know they're tired of of dealing with opioids and want to be done with it. Um, so, yeah, so something, something on the well, horizon. <laughs> if, if we could establish a protocol, I think, we, you know, I, I'm not making any claims about solving the opioid crisis, right. but it's what a great additional tool right. for, for a group of patients. Yep. Um, I've got a doctor down here in Allen, Texas. Uh, he's doing some remarkable work, it's very similar. I've got, uh, specific providers over well throughout the entire country that are using it exactly like you said microgram dosing um de- resensitizing the patient and stopping the escalation and then all of a sudden it's like well i don't need as much and the patients are able to decrease the amount of opioid intake and if that's if that's your goal 
we're not saying we're getting you off of opioids, but boy, oh boy, are we taking away some of the doses and we're taking away some of the, some of the side effect profile. You've got more lucidity during your day. So you're not so, uh, you're not so jammed up in GI tract. Like, right. Wow. What a success. You know, it, my measurement of success might be vastly different. I just want to get out in the garden and be able to sit in the sunshine and drink a coffee is wildly different than someone else who's like, I just want to get out of bed, right? Totally. But they're both equally successful to those specific patients. And, and it's just amazing the work you're doing because you're, you're seeing it. You've got a couple hundred patients. And I know you're going to get a whole bunch more questions after this, I hope. Probably. Um, but, um, so... But, so do you, do you, um, you know, we've, we've talked all positive things here. Do you, do you see a downside of uh, low-dose naltrexone? Um, honestly, yes. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pushback right now. Um, there's three main negative criticisms, and, I, and I'm more than happy to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why is there not more research? Why are we not seeing uh, big pharma getting involved? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, well... Uh, you guys are making these claims about this efficacy. There's not enough. Uh, I, I need a bigger study showing this benefit. And number three, well, um, you're, 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 you know, patients aren't getting cured. So I, I want to talk about all three. Number one, yeah. the molecule is off patent. Without the patent protection, there can't be this in, um, it change in, uh, usage. It's once it once the patent is gone, the patent is gone. There's no patent protection, and so the investment into the development of this sort of level of drug, and this is both a good and a bad, um, it won't happen because the cost of bringing a drug to market can be upwards three hundred to million to one billion dollars. Take your pick. Um, it's a big chunk of money. And if there's no patent protection, big pharma is just going to look at it and be like, there's no ROI. So no return on investment, which means we're not going to study it, which then leads into number two. How are we going to get a big study? 27,000 patients, multi-center randomized controlled trial blinded with, uh, multi with appropriate inclusion criteria, which then fits this specific patient group. That's too much money and no one has that. And this is where we've seen this change in aggregate amounts of data we're actually looking sort of retrospective analysis where we're doing data groups where we're looking at this is all the information we can find of all the patients who are taking low dose naltrexone all of this group of patients taking it for this need and then we can do a retrospective analysis and then look at endpoint measurements that are both subjective and objective decreasing use of the drugs and medications uh, uh, self-reported information on control of disease and so the data is difficult to, to really stand out. Here's this massive study that says you will have a 17% reduction in this particular group of patients. What we're actually seeing is smaller and smaller groups of literature that are coming up, and, but they're so diverse. Like it's like, there's 400 conditions that we're treating, take your pick. But it's almost like a, uh, it's like a supporting structure of data. We've built this platform of, understanding mechanisms, which is still expanding, and then basing safety data on that, and then saying like, look, and, and this is gonna be the final comment, we are not curing disease. There's nothing that says this mechanism will cure anything. What we're saying is 
here's the mechanism that shows that is in line with the current disease. And this is how it can modulate that disease. That's it. We're not curing and we're using this as an adjunct. But by the way, here's this wide safety profile. And now I'm going to talk about that because this is probably going to reverse everything that I just said, these last three points, which are negative. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We actually had a group in 2018 do retrospective analysis on an all data uh, that they could find on low-dose naltrexone, meaning all disease states, all patients, all patient groups, regardless of sex, age, dose, disease state, so no exclusion criteria. And they looked at the side effect profile, and they found that the side effect profile was similar to that of placebo, which means headache, dizziness, tiredness, GI upset, sleep disturbances. Same rates. But what we see clinically in practice is once we see that, we know that we're approaching that too much of a dose specific to that patient. So the side effect profile is actually our limiting. <laughs> Ooh, doesn't feel good? Okay, we can back away. And that's the interesting part about naltrexone, which kind of negates those other three. You don't have an indicated use. Not yet, because there's no patent protection, but it is an FDA approved indicated drug for these purposes that we know is safe. Where, and, and I'm going to be very clear, where Steve and Erskold Pharmacy is getting it from comes from us, and we're getting this from an FDA-inspected GNP-registered facility that has a ton of information behind it, which makes we know that it's both safe and is identified with appropriate purity um, and consistency to what we need it to be for pharmacy applications. Number three, we have this wide safety margin when dosed appropriately, when not given with high dose narcotics over the dose of one milligram, um, we don't see any interactions with other medications. We just see them all working better. In fact, there's a study published in June of this year that said the use of naltrexone when used in combination with another medication, pulse therapy will improve the uptake and efficiency of chemotherapeutics. So we're making everything work better. That's from it. pain management medications to seizure medications to rheumatoid arthritis medications to Crohn's disease, autoimmune disorders to cancer therapy. Pretty much that's the part that I'm excited about. It's yeah. got this beautiful safety profile and it makes patients feel better. It makes their other medications work better. That's it. Oh my God, home run. Wow. That's the downside is it's not going to harm the patient to try what we might see is benefit. But if it doesn't work, that's okay. We're still on the right path to treatment. That's it. You, you so, can't answer. How's that for a wrap-up? You, you answered my, my kind of my final, final question, what would you tell patients? Um, but that, that is, I mean, give it a try. If that's kind of the, the call that I, we have a testimonial out there with one of our patients that said, just give it a try. I think- um, that's actually what I hear more so from providers after they see the mechanisms and all of the supporting literature. Small studies are still small studies. It, 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 it's funny, that, and, and sorry, this is gonna be a criticism of the, the evidence-based model system. People think you have to have this singular, beautiful, well-designed multi, that's the only evidence that counts. And I've heard it, there's no evidence. Actually, there's a ton of evidence. It just doesn't meet this criteria, but you don't have anything that is counter to what I'm saying. And when people say there is no evidence, that means no one's even looked at it. 
what I'm saying is we actually have a lot of scientific foundation. We've got a lot of uh, clinical studies. We've got a lot of small case studies. We've got a lot of publications. We've got a lot of research going here. But more importantly is we have this massive safety study that's showing really and truly very limited side effects. And those are the bumpers to which I say your dose is too high. I don't want to see people get side effects. In fact, it tells me to back the dose down. So providers all of a sudden go, well, hang on a second. You're saying it, it could. Yes. And it's not going to harm the patient. When dosed appropriately in conjunction with a collaborative approach with a compounding pharmacist, exactly. Well, why wouldn't everyone try this? That's a better question for the provider you're working with. So I'm talking to the patient, talk to your provider, get them in contact with Steve at the pharmacy. He's got all the literature and he's more than happy to chat to you, your provider and you about this. What you need is what he's, he wants to hear because he can adjust. The team there at Ursville can adjust to what you need. That's the beauty of compounding and naltrexone. It's marriage made in heaven. <laughs> Sorry, I got excited there. That's an incredible way to wrap this up, Sebastian. I yeah, honestly, uh, we could just continue to talk for hours, literally, um, but we, we do we do have to wrap it up. And I, I yeah. really, really want to thank you for bringing uh, just your excitement and energy about this topic to uh, our listeners, because, um, like I said, a lot of them are probably taking this already, but there are going to probably be others uh, with questions about it. So um, for our listeners out there, uh, you know, I always like to give you a little reward for listening this far into the podcast. This one, this one, we ran a little extra long, but I think the information was so important for you all to hear. But um, your reward is to get 25% off of a supplement of your choice using the code Sebastian Dennison podcast. Um, and you can do that by a, a telephone order, or if you come in person, just uh, mention that and you can get 25% off. So Sebastian, I want to, I want to thank you a ton for being our guest. Uh, like I said, the energy you brought was incredible. Thank you so much. And I we appreciate you and PCCA and all that you do for us. So that is incredibly kind of you. Thank you. Um, now, just one last thing. Okay. Remember, if Steve has all the information to help you and your provider uh, in a collaborative practice. And please, I, I, I beseech you to, to reach out. If, you, if, this, if you've got any questions, the, the team there is incredible. So I feel very fortunate to be a guest, but also to be a partner with you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Sebastian. And um, you know what we leave you with um, every time, listeners, as always, be vigilant about your health. As always, be vigilant about your health.